Silence of the Lambs is a brilliant thriller with suspense, story, and best of all, an insanely interesting killer by the name Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill is a disturbed man from years of violent child abuse, hating his male body. Meanwhile, the beautiful detective Clarice Starling is facing her own challenges to catch him before he kills more girls and dumps their skinned bodies in the river. Hannibal Lecter, a more cheesy but interesting role, gives hints to the young Clarice how to catch Buffalo Bill, while at the same time playing games with her. This movie is a masterpiece, with its moving writing, characters, and demented ideas, and I consider it one of my favorite films. However, the insanely intriguing Buffalo Bill was created after three specific killers, each one making the fictional Bill more disturbed and realistic. Welcome to Detective Crows, and I will be doing a three-part special on Silence of the Lambs and the three true killers that inspired Buffalo Bill. First episode, Ed Gein. Edward Gein was born 1906, August 27th, at West Constant, United States, to a dysfunctional couple known as Augusta Wilhelm Gein and George Philip. Both brittle and crude parents came from bleak backgrounds from poverty, death, and mental illness. A few articles mention Augusta, Ed's mother, came from an abusive household with a long-running gene of schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is a very poorly represented mental illness in pop culture and media. There are different types of schizophrenia, and in 90% of cases, the person suffering from the condition is more likely to hurt themselves than others. Schizophrenia is a lifelong disorder and can make a person become delusional and believe false statements very strongly and that are clearly untrue. Another form of this disorder is hallucinations, seeing or hearing things not as they actually are. This can include unknown voices that are often displayed in the media, such as Norman Bates in Psycho. A final form of this disorder is when the person becomes very disorganized. What this can mean is they may not react to an appropriate situation. For example, if you were to ask the person if they had kids, the person's likely response would be just yes, not saying something like yes, a boy and a girl, just the term yes. There are plenty of different examples and situations killing spree sign in a person when really it is just a disorder that can make someone feel very confused in their own mind. Schizophrenia can be caused by damage taken as a fetus, birth trauma, and occasionally is hereditary. George Philip came from a destroyed home. When he was a young boy, a flood engulfed his home, killing his entire family. He was later adopted into an abusive family. Needless to say, neither parent came from stable roots, and the marriage was a questionable event in itself. The pair fought frequently, and it became more violent when they got married. As they married, Edward was born soon followed by a younger brother known as Henry George Gein. Throughout Ed's childhood, him and his brother were abused by both parents, physically and mentally. Philip Gein was a very severe alcoholic and was not able to keep a job by any means. He constantly beat the children and his wife, taking his anger out on his family members. Philip apparently had a small business but later sold it and once in a while did odd jobs in the community before being fired due to his drinking habits. Augusta was a religious fanatic and could constantly rant about the Bible and her beliefs towards it. 
Their mother had a special belief that all women, excluding herself, were sinners and whores and who were servants of the devil to seduce her young kids. Augusta also believed everyone in the tiny town of Plainfield was full of sinners, so she insisted her children avoided contact with everyone there. Ed's mother beat her children whenever they attempted to be social or make friends, and would constantly go on about women being around them being whores. She began to claim she was a saint, and was the only woman that wasn't a servant of Satan, and she was the only one her boys could trust. The entire situation was not helped by the fact the family lived in a more isolated area, which was a few miles from town. Ed was also made fun of at school for his shy behavior and slight overgrowth over one eye. The bullying was never addressed by teachers, and Ed began to feel even more isolated, and his strange mannerisms also continued. Some recount Ed to be laughing randomly in class, snickering at his own jokes and smiling to himself, but getting fairly good grades. As time went on, Ed and his brother did odd jobs around the area, much like their father, for work. As time went on, Ed and his brother did odd jobs around the area, much like their father used to, for work, and helped their mother with the old house and farm on their property. In the year 1940, on April 1st, Ed's father, Philip, died. The family seemed much happier without the alcoholic father, and carried on as usual. Some mention Augusta seemed more upset by his death and became more recluse because of it, but reports differ. Years went on, and Henry met a single mother and was starting a happy relationship with her, much to Augusta's displeasure. Feeling frustrated and angry for as long as he could remember with his mother, Henry confessed his hatred of, her, of his mother to Ed, who he often got along with. Ed was shocked and horrified that his brother did not see their mother as the saint she claimed to be, as he saw her that way, and began to feel a rift between his brother and himself. On May 16, 1944, Ed and his brother were burning some brush on their property, but the fire quickly went out of control, catching the attention of the fire department. The fire flared on until the fire department put out the large blaze. During the confusion of the fire, Henry was nowhere to be seen and Ed reported his brother missing. A search party was gathered to find the man, and he was discovered lying face down in the earth, close to where the fire had started. He was determined to be dead, but no one found any sign of his abrupt end. However, many claimed there were marks on his neck and head, and some bruising. Yeah, really great uh, police work. Some articles mention that Ed led investigators straight to the body of his brother, which seems odd ju judging by the fact that he was the one who reported his brother missing. Along with that, they marked Henry's death as heart failure due to the fire and the smoke. Guilty or not, Ed and his mother were alone, and Ed claimed this was the happiest time of his life. During this period, Augusta suffered strokes that left her mostly paralyzed which made her completely reliable on her son for support. Ed was constantly helping his mother, from feeding to bathing her. He also helped her around with the chores at home. Ed was constantly by his mum's side. During this time, Ed recalled going to a man named Smith to buy straw. While Ed and his mom were there, Smith began aggressively beating a dog. The poor animal yapped and barked, crying to be left alone. But Smith began to beat the dog to a pulp. 
During the beating, a woman ran into the home and begged Smith not to hurt the dog. Despite the dog's cries and death, the thing that had disturbed Ed's mom the most was the fact Smith had a woman in the house that he was not married to. In her eyes, she saw this as a sin, and apparently this disturbed her greatly. On December 29, 1945, Ed's mother had a fatal heart attack and passed away, completely destroying her son. At the funeral, Ed was said to be crying like a little boy and was so lost with grief, many worried for his well-being. However, they had no idea just how badly Ed was taking the death. Mary Hogan was a feisty 51-year-old bartender who hated the old-fashioned idea of what she was supposedly supposed to be. She had a crude sense of humor and swore like a sailor, but she took no shit from anyone. On December 8, 1954, Mary was hosting a bar as usual, and when time came, all her customers left and went home, leaving her the only one in the building. The next day, a shocking scene scared everyone when they found her bar unlocked, with blood on the floor and cash register. The small town police force looked over the crime scene, but decided that this was somehow not a homicide case, instead was a missing persons case, since there was no body. Through my research, no one seemed to be extremely at loss by her disappearance, which makes you wonder how decent she was to people. But still, right, buddy? Amazing police work. Meanwhile, Ed seemed to have somewhat recovered from his mother's death and was very helpful for everyone around the small town. He was quiet and willing to help anyone with bizarre jobs. He was always very quiet, but many often came to his services, even if he was a bit strange. In one documentary, a witness explained that all the townsmen were helping to construct a barn, which was often a fun gathering for everyone. When the men were finished, the woman often brought food and water for the group. Ed, of course, was there to help, which no one minded. However, once the woman came out, many felt uncomfortable around the way he looked at them and felt a little uneasy. It was nothing very obvious, but each woman felt very uncomfortable near Gein. Time ticked on, and Mary Hogan became a sort of urban legend for the town, and many guessed and speculated where she might have disappeared to. During a conversation at the bar that Mary used to work at, some of Ed and his friends debated what might have happened to her. Ed, however, was making jokes like, Oh, she, as in Mary Hogan's, not missing. She's down at my house right now. The group would roll their eyes and humor Ed, thinking it was his sixth sense of humor. Sure, Eddie, sure, they would reply. Another disappearance spread through the town like wildfire when the sheriff's mother went missing from her hardware store. Bernice Borden was a 58-year-old woman who had experienced a lot in her lifetime. She was born in 1899 and lived through two world wars and the Japanese War. She was very similar to Mary with her no-nonsense lifestyle. According to her gravestone in this picture, she was part of the Order of the Eastern Star. From my research, the Order of the Eastern Star is a Masonic appended body, open to both men and women. These groups are based off Christian beliefs and ideas, but could sometimes bleed into other religions as well. The Order of the Eastern Star mainly look into the craft of stone and learning about the status of these people who could do that in the 1400s and 1500s. Often a lodge of Masonic groups are created in residential areas that do not have a worldwide leader like a pope. 
Some claim this group is a cult, but from my info gathered, they aren't that exciting to be a cult. Bernice's son, who was also the sheriff, came back from his hunting trip and discovered his mother's hardware store locked. This was strange to him, as his mother opened in the morning. To his horror, he found a pool of blood inside the shop, along with the final sales slip his mother ever wrote. The slip was one for antifreeze, which made the horrified son's memory come back. Yesterday, he'd been having a talk with Gein outside the store, Ed asking him where he was going. The son revealed he was going out for deer season. This seemed odd to Bernice's son, as Ed was often quite shy to speak to most people. Ed then revealed he was going to buy antifreeze from the sheriff's mother, Bernice Warden. Within an instant, the sheriff had an idea of who the perpetrator was. From there, he continued with the search warrant, hoping to find his mother alive. The search was on, and police quickly arrested Gein and took him back to the police station. At first, Gein denied everything, but police did not buy this and continued their questioning. Meanwhile, a group of policemen surrounded the lonely farm and began to break down the shed door that was right next to the house. Anticipation and fear had riddled into every officer present, unaware of what they might discover. The door was broken and the men went inside, the small area searching for Bernice. The small shed was extremely dark and no one could see what hid in the pitch black. Moving around, the chief deputy felt something bump into him, and eventually the group found a light. Moments passed, and the decapitated body of Bernice Warden hung from the ceiling, gutted out like a deer with her organs on the floor. Her entire body was naked and mutilated, making a couple officers run outside and get sick in the snow. Going into the house, investigators took photos of everything they discovered, while police searched through the entire area. Terrified and shocked by what they found, inside the home was filthy and completely trashed with clutter and rotten food, with broken furniture and an overwhelming stench of death. Each investigator frightfully checked each room, finding more and more gruesome and unusual finds from Ed's morbidly artistic mind. Shrunken heads were found decorating the home, along with human skin hanging off the wall like a hunter's trophy. Skulls were found decorating his bedposts. Some of the most horrific things were found in the kitchen, such as Bernice's heart in a paper bag, Bernice's head, skulls with the top part sawed off to make soup bowls, and a wastebasket made completely of human skin. Throughout most of the home, chairs and lamps were made out of female skin and faces, along with a belt made out of females' nipples, and a pair of human lips made into a window drawstring. A mask made from female faces was found, along with a vulvas of older woman and younger woman, dressed in ribbons and flowers in a shoebox. Some vulvas were approximately 15 years old. The police and investigators felt extremely sick from their findings and were horrified to find a mysterious little bag in one of the cluttered rooms, seeming lightweight. Slowly, the police began to open the bag, ready to vomit, and then they recognized the face. Inside the bag was the skin face of Mary Hogan, the bartender, down in Ed's house, just like he had said she would be. Later, Mary's skull was also found in a shoebox. The police also found a woman's suit made by skinned bodies, with some skin-like leggings to go with the outfit. Some people wonder if Ed was transgendered, but most think Ed was trying to become his mother by creating a skin suit that looks similar to her literally crawling into her skin, breasts and all. 
One of the most significant things about Ed's home was the fact one room was all boarded up. When police broke down the barricade, they discovered Ed's mother's room. The entire room was kept spotless, just the way it had been right before she had died. In Silence of the Lambs, the infamous Buffalo Bill kidnaps, starves, and kills woman to skin them and make his own suit to be a woman. There are hints throughout the story of him wanting to become a woman, as his abuse from the past that made him hate his male body and want to emerge as a woman, much like the moths he forces down the dead girls' throats. This is a direct reference to the crimes of Ed Gein and almost exactly what he did with the countless skins of females. Buffalo Bill also shoots his victims right before he kills them, much like how Ed eventually kills his victims. After his horrific shift, Arch Slay went straight to the police station, where Ed was staying silent to everyone's questioning. Storming in, Slay grabbed Ed Gein and slammed him against the wall in anger, attempting to force a confession out of the quiet man. Ed said nothing, but was shaken up. Later, Ed's defense team would bring the assault, the assault up, which would have had to make Slay testify. Before Ed's trial, Slay died of a heart attack at 41 years old. Many say from what he saw in that godforsaken house. Many say he died after seeing what he saw in that house. Others also think that the thought of going up on trial and explaining what he had to see also was the reason he died. Around Plainfield, other people had gone missing in the past. However, they did not match Ed's profile and looked nothing like his mother. In the year 1949, an eight-year-old went missing an hour away from the town. Her name was Georgia Weckler. Victor Bunk Travis, a 43-year-old farmer, and his friend Ray Burgess were last seen in Plainfield on a hunting trip before going missing. Evelyn Hartley, a 16-year-old, went missing from a babysitting job in 1953. No bodies were ever found. It could have been they ended up in Gein's collection, as there were so many body parts it was hard to know who they belonged to. Ed denied the murders heavily, especially of the young girls, but their disappearances remain a mystery till this day. The day after the horrific discoveries and Ed's arrest, Ed slowly began to talk, explaining what he had done. Ever since his mother had died, he had gone out to graveyards late at night to steal the bodies of the recently deceased to get the skin he needed for the woman's suit. The graveyards in Plainfield were checked, and much to family members of missing bodies whore, many females have been dug up and stolen. One grave still had body parts of the family member, while another only had the crowbar instead of the body. Needless to say, many people were sickened. Their dead friends and relatives were now part of the decor at Gein's house. According to Ed, he visited graveyards and stole bodies at least 40 times. Also around the death of his mother, Ed also began to read more about the atrocities of the Nazis, specifically some Nazis who liked to collect skin. Ed also read up a little on cannibalism. The police and media asked him if he ever considered having sex with the bodies or committed cannibalism, which Ed quickly responded by saying they smelt way too bad. Way to put everyone at ease, Ed. Thanks. Ed slowly began to admit the murders he had committed, saying he was guilty of killing the bartender, Mary Hogan. He had waited for her to close before stepping in and shooting her with a gun. He then dragged her lifeless body to his car and brought her home. Later, he could not recall the memories of that specific killing. 
He also admitted to planning Bernice Warden's murder by asking her son if he was leaving town. He then cornered her as she shut down the shop. Just like Mar Mary, Bernice was shot and killed before being brought to the terrifying house. It was worldwide news everywhere when people were alerted of the horrific things in Plainfield. The simple tiny town was bombarded by tourists and media, all foaming at the mouth to catch a glimpse of the one of the most memorizingly heinous crimes of the century. The entire town felt suffocated, wanting to focus on healing after such a painful shock, but the media continued to pile in, exploring the horrific house and its keeper. One resident of Plainfield said, In the fifties was a time of innocence and we lost it earlier than the rest of the world. Ed, however, seemed amused and somewhat happy with the attention he got, once in a while being interviewed while he waited for his trial. All of Ed's macabre decor and clothing was burnt and destroyed, along with most of the pictures of the gruesome sights. However, other things such as his car and home went up for auction. The car of Ed Gein was sold, and the man who bought it often took it to carnivals and popular attractions, advertising it as Ed Gein's car, charging people a fair enough price to see the inside, or it was confirmed he kept bodies. The house was shockingly going to become a tourist attraction to the disgust of most people in Plainfield. However, the house burnt down mysteriously in the night. Many called it an act of God. Some suspected arson, but the cause of the fire was never found. The townspeople were extremely thankful. When Ed was told of the strange burning of his house, he shrugged and calmly said, just as well. Ed was diagnosed with schizophrenia and pleaded not guilty to charges under reason of insanity, therefore in no shape to go to trial. No one could argue with that, so they sent him to a hosp hospital known as Dodge Correctional Institution, but later transferred to Menadota State Hospital in Medi Madison, Wisconsin. After 10 years, doctors claimed Ed to be somewhat sound to stand trial, and the proceedings began. The trial began on November 7, 1968. The trial did not have a jury, and Ed explained he couldn't remember if killing Bernice Warden was intentional. He claimed he was looking at the gun in the store and accidentally pulled the trigger and shot Bernice. The court decided Gein was not guilty under reason of insanity, but Gein was forced to live in Menadota State Hospital for the rest of his life. In Madota, Ed was apparently a model patient and was extremely well-behaved. At the age of 77, Gein died due to respiratory failure, secondary to lung cancer. He had died in the hospital on July 26, 1984. When word finally spread to Plainfield about Gein's death, there was no emotion. Many just accepted the fact and carried on. Ed was later buried right next to his mother, the way he would have wanted it. Parts of Ed's gravestone have been stolen over the years, until it was finally taken completely. The police later found it and kept it at the station. Ed Gein's grave is unmarked but not forgotten. This disturbed man has made every horror movie trope possible, with Leatherface, American Psycho, Albert Hitchcock's Psycho, and of course Buffalo Bill. Psycho especially was highly based on Ed, as the writer of the original novel had heard of Ed's crimes and basically wrote a story about him. Buffalo Bill using human skin to turn himself into a woman is an obvious clear reference, Ed Gein. But if you look in the background of one of the shots, specifically when Clarice knocks on his door and a hurried Buffalo Bill runs upstairs to meet her, you could see a Nazi flag draped over a trunk, 
similar to Ed's fascination with Nazis. In the midst of the history of Ed Gein, and how morbidly interesting it can be, I find a lot of times we forget about the victims that he affected. Even if he did kill people who weren't the best, they never hurt anyone severely. I feel the most sorry for Slay, the investigator. He died due to shock and anxiety over what he saw, and left a loving family behind. In a way, Ed himself is a victim to his mental illness and lifelong abuse from his mother. This does not justify his actions, but it makes it easier to understand. Next time on Detective Crows, we'll continue our journey from fact to fiction, exploring now into Buffalo Bill's basement, where his pit of horror was not a writer's morbid imagination.